All right, guys, what's going on? Good evening. Thank you so much for joining me today to the GAR Capital official podcast. I apologize for taking a little 20-second delay. I'm making sure that I'm recording this live on YouTube since we have a lot of stuff to show visually. But if you just want to hear this in your car or at the gym or in your headphones, I also record the podcast as well on, on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and the Anchor app. As always, thank you so much for joining me today. This is the podcast you've been waiting for. We're about 24 days away from the election, so it's time to talk about stocks, talk about the economy, and you know, regardless of who wins, regardless of what side you are politically, we're going to talk about both sides, what to expect, and what stocks to look for. And some of the historical speaking, uh, historical figures on returns in regards to a Democratic administration and Republican administration, and basically the last 20 years of the S&P growth, regardless of who is in power. So welcome aboard. If you are watching this on YouTube, I have my headphones on. It's because I'm recording the podcast live as well. And uh, if you're listening to me on the podcast, you can't really watch anything. So if you haven't already, make sure to go to YouTube. G-A-R Capital, all one word, is our YouTube channel. Make sure to like and subscribe. And this will be on the notifications. So turn on notifications and you'll be watching our video. So Thanks so much for joining me on a Saturday evening, October 10th, 2020, and let's go ahead and get started. All right, so let's go ahead and just talk about it. Again, this is the big one. This is 2020 election. Uh, It is Republican President Donald Trump versus Democratic nominee Joe Biden, former vice president of Barack Obama's administration. So, no, this podcast is not meant to sway you. It's just to present facts. It's not a political conversation regards to, oh, you should vote for who, you should vote for this, you should vote for that. You obviously have your reasons to vote for whoever you want. And again, the most important thing is that you do vote, let your voice be heard. But what I usually say is that in regards to politics, most politics is local at the end of the day. The the politics that actually affect you the most are the localized politics. Your congressman, your councilman, your mayor, um, you know, those, you know, state legislature, where you live, that's kind of important. Uh, your sheriff is kind of important on uh, who exactly is the, the sheriff in your in your town. You know, that's kind of important. You know, I, can, I think what we do as a society or as us in the United States is that we tend to look up in regards to the president is the most important. And then we go by senator, governor, and then so on and so forth. But the localized government really affects your school budgets for your kids, affects the roads, potholes, affects property taxes in your neighborhood for your home, for example, uh, water cleanliness, you know. All that stuff, police, uh, firefighters in regards to budget allocations, that's really important. So that's something, you know, you should always be in the know of as well. But again, we are talking about your investments and trading. So again, we're going to be talking about just the presidential election today. And, you know, forget what to expect. We don't know what to expect. Who's going to win? If you're going to go by polls, then Biden's going to win. But if you go by polls in 2016, Hillary was going to win. So polls, like I've said before on Twitter is really just like sports gambling spreads. It just makes Biden the favorite, quote-unquote, the favorite. And, you know, if you're a betting person, but again, it doesn't guarantee anything. You know, you can look at, you know, the Yankees last night. We played the Devil Rays in the baseball playoffs. The Yankees were the favorite, and guess what? They lost. So, again, it doesn't mean anything in regards to polling as of yet. Again, the only thing we'll know is that election night, we will know who the president is, if not a couple of days later. So... Let's go over a couple of figures I want to go over with you. I have some some bullet points I want to talk about first, and I want to kind of go, I want to just tweak the notion in your mind that whoever's president affects your investments. 
and infects your stock trading. It really doesn't in a sense. And I'm going to go ahead and break down a couple of figures here. The best stock market returns by president. This is from our friends at Personal Finance Club Instagram. Feel free to check them out. They are great. So let's go ahead and take a look. If you're listening to the podcast, you can't really see it. So I'll just read it to you. So these are the last 10 administrations, obviously since 1980. Uh, Below are the annualized total returns of the S&P 500 ranked by the presidential term since 1980. So again, you know, I've heard this, uh, you know, the, the, the myth that, oh, if a Democrat president is in office, then the stock market doesn't doesn't get returns. Or the other myth is that when we have a Republican president, we're always at war. I mean, there's always some myths out there, but it's good to have some facts before you start thinking these things. So number one, since 1980, best stock market returns by president. Number one was Bill Clinton, uh, a Democrat. So he had an 18.1% return in his first uh, years as president in 1992. Um, Obviously, you know, you can say that it was a a part of the Reagan administration, his deregulation and tax cuts, whatever you want to call it, but he had the number one return since 1980. Second is Ronald Reagan in 1984, 17.6%, Republican president. Third was Barack Obama, 16.9% in 2008, right after the financial crisis or during the financial crisis. You can call it that it was at the lows and of course it went up, but again, you know, take him for whatever you want. He had the third highest return of the stock market. Fourth is Bill Clinton in 1996, obviously tech boom all the way into this tech bubble. So 16.5% return. Uh, Fifth was actually George Bush Sr. in 1988, right after the Reagan administration, 14.8% return. So three of the five top returns in the stock market since 1980 were Democratic presidents, by the way. And the next one, sixth place in uh, Barack Obama, his re-election campaign in 2012, 13.6% return. Uh, Seventh is Donald Trump. Now, we could tweak that. It says 12.6%, but uh, obviously the return now has changed since the stock market has gone up a little bit. So we're going to go ahead and just call it 13.6 and put him even with Barack Obama in 2012. So his stock market return is actually on par with Barack Obama's return in 2012. Now, you could have easily said, oh, you know, one's a socialist or one this and that the other, higher tax, higher regulations. Again, during Obama's administration, he had higher taxes, of course. But during the Trump administration, he lowered taxes, but we had COVID. So again, it could have been a lot higher without COVID, but we actually exceeded the S&P from the February highs. So again, 12.6% return is very good uh, done in the current administration. Uh, Ronald Reagan, 1980, his first uh, uh, election, 11.9% return. And 9th and 10th uh, on the low side is George, Bush, George W. Bush in 2000, minus 1.5%. And Bush re-elected in 04 of minus 5.7%. So President Bush Jr. Uh, did not do very well in regards to the stock market returns. Uh, war in Iraq, Katrina, 9-11, war on terror was pretty tough. And of course, the 2008 financial crisis. So you could say it was his fault or what have you. Again, we're not here to debate that. It could be just bad luck, whatever. But again, uh, Republican administration did not have a return. But the last two Democratic uh, uh, presidential uh, administrations during 1980 had positive ones. So again, you could take that as you want. Again, that's not an endorsement for jo- uh, for Joe Biden. It's just the facts of where we are. Uh, so let's go ahead and talk about our next figure here, which is, again, now we're going to date back in the, a little further back since around 1929. We'll go from 1929. I got this from Charlie Bellelo on Twitter. Feel free to uh, follow him. He's a great follow on Twitter. So these are the Democratic presidents versus the Republican presidents. Again, this is just to provide context on returns in the stock market. FDR, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, 1933-1945, served four terms. 
his Dow return was 194%. Um, that is the second highest return of the Dow in the history of presidents since 1933. Uh, since 1929, excuse me. Now, keep in mind, FDR got the, the presidency right, right during the Great Depression. And his S&P 500 return was 141%. So that is pretty strong. Now, again, this if you're watching this on the screen, uh, FDR had the second highest return. Uh, then Truman with 82% and 85% down S&P respectively. Uh, uh, Kennedy was uh, only served three years, 16% return on the Dow, 20% return on the Dow uh, S&P. Uh, that's 20% on the S&P, excuse me. Uh, Lyndon Johnson, 63 to 69, 28% return on the Dow, 42% return on the S&P. Jimmy Carter, a very anemic 0.24% uh, in his four years uh, from 77 to 81. Uh, the Dow was 0.24% and the S&P up 20, 29%. Bill Clinton had the probably the biggest, the best return among all presidents, uh, even Democratic ones, uh, even Republican ones and Democrats. Uh, 1993 to 2001, 225% on the Dow, 29% return on the S&P. And Barack Obama in his eight years, 138% on the Dow return and 166% on the S&P return. This is cumulative average uh, that's, that's gained while in office. Uh, Herbert Hoover, again, start, was with the Great Depression. Minus 83% on the Dow, minus 77% on the S&P from 29 to 33. Probably the worst returns for any president uh, in his administration. Eisenhower had a great return, 120%. And on the Dow, 130% on the S&P in his eight years. And Nixon, minus 17% on the Dow, minus 21% on the S&P. Again, massive inflation, uh, Watergate, you name it, he's, he went through it. Uh, Ford actually had, in his three years of, of as president, 25% return on the Dow and 28% on the S&P. Uh, Ronald Reagan had a great one, probably the best returns during a during a Republican administration, uh, 81 to 89. Well, before that was Calvin Coolidge, so he probably had the highest one. It's not shown here. But Ronald Reagan, 131% return on the Dow, 114% return on the S&P. Deregulation and tax cuts did help. Uh, George Bush, the senior, 45% return on the Dow, 52% return on the S&P. Uh, that's his four years. George Bush Jr., in his eight years, minus 22% on the Dow, minus 37% on the S&P. Not looking good. But the president, current president, uh, Donald J. Trump, uh, has 39% return on the Dow and 47% return on the S&P. Very strong for our current president and does help his re-election bid. So again, we just want to show the comparisons that, you know, regardless of who wins the White House, you know, you know, a lot of people say, oh, if a Republican wins, it's good for business. But as you can see here, if Democrat wins, they do pretty well as well. So... That's something to think about. Again, regardless, not meant to sway, just giving you the facts. Next thing here is the S&P 500. Uh, ever since January 2017, when President uh, Trump took office, you can see kind of how the moves looked in the S&P 500. Uh, deregulation and tax cuts uh, went from around 2,200 to around 2,900. And then some Fed concerns got to put pulls back down a little bit. And then the Fed shifted from raising rates to actually cutting rates. And it actually bounced back. And then we had some U.S.-China trade headlines, some concerns, obviously, came back down a little bit. But then we got the U.S.-China China deal and the dovish Fed, where we close now at 34.77.13. So 2017 was typified by major pro-growth tailwinds, or what we call the reflation trade, interrupted in 2018 over a hawkish Fed, hawkish Fed meaning that they increased rates. And in 2019, we saw Fed reverse course from raising to cutting rates, and the U.S.-China variable created only marginal volatility. So some nice gains during the Republican administration of Donald J. Trump. So just kind of wanted to show you kind of the differences here on exactly president or no president, whoever it is, which, which office here is that 
you're gonna get some growth, obviously. Think about this, guys. And I'm gonna show you this here. This is our 20-year return chart of the S&P 500. I mean, if you were the type of person that was all about the media and scared that, oh, Donald J. Trump is president, sell my stocks. Uh, the world's gonna end. Well, you missed on a really, really big rally. Uh, and this is in the end of 2016 to 2017. We were right around 2,500 in the S&P. We gained 1,000 points in the S&P almost, just about. So you must have missed, you missed that rally. Or what if in 2009, uh, when uh, Barack Obama came into power, you were like, oh boy, a socialist is in power. Forget it, I'm selling everything. He's gonna increase my taxes. You went from 1,048 all the way to hit to uh, the election year of 2016 to around 1094. So again, you missed another 1,000 points in eight years. So again, think about this. If you're basing your investment portfolio or your investment thesis long-term on who's gonna win the White House, you're missing out on a lot of gains. Maybe you're extremely liberal saying, oh my God, if a president wins, I'm selling everything. That doesn't make sense. And if you're a Republican saying, oh, if a Democrat wins, I'm selling everything. It doesn't really help the cause. Again, you're missing out on so much there. Again, good companies are still good companies regardless who's president. That's kind of what the thesis in this, in this, uh, in this podcast is about. It's not meant to scare you. It's not meant to you know, change your mind. It's just to give you the facts and understand that a good investment in 1997 is a good investment in 2017, or a good investment in 1999 is a good investment in 2019. Again, you could see the S&P. Yes, you're going to have dips. Yes, you're going to have headlines. Yes, you're going to have this and that and the other. And you may have some war. You may have some financial crises. But again, at the end of the day, I hate to use the word that stock always go higher, but long term, that has actually supported the thesis. So let's go ahead and compare both of the pres uh, of the uh, the president and the presidential candidate. And this is from J.P. Morgan Chase. So we're going to go over each of the difference of the issues, and some of them do overlap. So let's go ahead and start with the biggest differences first, and kind of go over that. And then we're going to go ahead and start breaking down what stocks are best for you of which candidate wins or who wins, and what stocks you need to be looking for. So let's go ahead and talk about it. The differences between candidates are stark, but there's more overlap than one might think. And this is from the Donald Trump and Joe Biden campaign websites. So this is legit. And this is from JP Morgan Private Bank, data as of June 30th, 2020. So let's start with taxes. Taxes is obviously a big difference here. Donald, uh, President Trump wants to maintain or extend the 27 tax cuts, but we don't have any details on extending those tax cuts. Uh, Biden wants to increase taxes on corporate income, high earners, and capital gains. So that we know. There's your difference right there. So if you are a multimillionaire or if you make more than 400000 according to the Biden website, you'll be paying more taxes. Basically, the Trump tax cuts will be reversed for you. Uh, you're not going to go higher than the Obama tax cuts. So if you were making 400000 during the Obama years in eight years, and you're just going to pay the exact same rate that you paid then, obviously you're going to pay a little more now. If... Biden gets elected. Now, keep in mind, guys, that any kind of legislation in regards to taxes still needs to be passed by Congress. So it's very important to understand that if the Democrats sweep, uh, sweep the, the we call it the blue sweep, if they win the Senate and the House or keep the House, then you'll have a majority in all three houses. So that's very big. Trump got that in 2016. He had the Senate, the House, and the White House. So he got everything he wanted passed. Now he has the House, Democratic House. Remember, the House of Representatives pass all budget money legislation first. The Senate approves. So think about this. Senate is all about judges and the House is all about money. So the White House can 
you know, make recommendations. Oh, we want tax cuts. We want this. But again, the House is the one that needs to start that. So if you have a Trump administration of an election, but he loses the Senate and still keeps the House Democrat, it's going to be tough for him. If Biden wins the White House, but the Senate is still Republican and the House turns Republican, that's going to be tough on him too. So a split Congress is a little difficult. If you get all in one uh, party with all houses of branches of government, now you're starting looking at things will make it push a little, a little tougher, a little sooner, meaning things will not be as negotiated. There will not be any contrast. It's basically whatever they want, they're going to push through uh, the agenda of either the Democrats or Republicans. Let's talk regulation now. Uh, Trump says he wants to reduce regulation on energy and financial services. Keep that in mind. And Biden wants to heighten regulation of energy, technology, and financial services. We're going to talk about that on the stocks that are recommended to buy on who wins what. Next is energy and environment. Trump wants to increase energy production, mostly crude oil, fracking. And Biden wants to reduce emissions and increase energy efficiency. Some more EV, electrical vehicles, solar power, what have you. Foreign policy. Trump is more nationalistic. America first. Unilateralism. He wants to disband. He kept disband. He's disbanded the Paris Accord Treaty, and NATO wants NATO to pay their fair share for the alliance. And Biden wants to undo the Trump America First project, renew emphasis on alliances and multilateralism. So think about this: like Trump is more, you know, uh, pro America first, you know, more nationalism, but, uh, and obviously uh, more tr- more uh, increased tariffs on the trade uh, globally. Biden's more of a free trader, obviously. NAFTA, he voted on that. These things like that, like more United Nations, more coming together. That's how Biden and the Democrats think. And healthcare. Trump wants to undo the Affordable Care Act. That's according to the website. Biden wants to protect and build on the Affordable Care, Affordable Care Act. Now, Trump has said that he does not want to remove pre-existing conditions and he wants to lower drug prices. Biden has said the same. But Biden doesn't want to change anything in regards to healthcare. In regards to labor, there is no really change in regards to Trump's policy with labor. And Biden wants to increase the minimum wage, uh, gig economy, Uber, Lyft, what have you, to $15 an hour minimum wage. Um, That will affect small businesses, of course. And when we come to infrastructure, both are pretty much the same. They favor big infrastructure spending. Think stimulus. But again, both have different ways of doing that. We're going to go over that in a second. Prescription drugs. Both want to reduce cost. That's something that I just said. China policy. Supposedly, Biden says he's going to be tough on China too, but Trump says we know he's very tough on China. And federal budget, guys, if you're a person that's all about budget deficits and you want to balance the budget, it's not going to happen. Both both parties want to spend. And the question is how much, but they do want to run up hard, larger deficits. So that's where we are currently in regards to both administrations on the issues. Next here's key considerations. This is regarding Biden. Pre-Biden, highest capital gains tax rate. So 20% right now, currently under the Trump plan. Post-Biden, this is, uh, again, this is a consideration based from JP Morgan and the website. 39.6 on income above $1 million. It'll be almost a 20% increase on highest capital gain rates. Corporate income tax rate is currently at 21% for under the Trump plan currently. And it'll be 28% reintroduction of the alternative minimum tax plan under the Biden administration. Uh, highest individual rate is 37% under Trump. The highest individual rate under Biden, again, according to the site, will be 39.6%, a 2.6% increase. Qualified business income deduction partnerships, S-corps. 
So 20% under Donald Trump is where we have the business income deduction. Same thing under on Biden, but phased out for income above 400,000. Now we're gonna go to payroll tax, capped at wage base of $137,700. And payroll tax under Biden says, retain current tax, additional 12.4% higher earner payroll tax for those earning 400,000. So under the Biden administration, you can see that he's very much attacking the higher end of the spectrum in regards to earners. Maybe to balance the budget or to move money into different uh, agendas. But again, when you're in a country, when you're in a place now where we have nine percent uh, unemployment, um, you got to understand that you know ha- uh, having higher taxes against the wealthy, you're almost pitting against the lower income earners, the high in- income earners right now. So this is where these numbers come from. Will these pass? We don't know. We don't know if Biden's even going to win. So again, this is all just assumptions based on their website. So next, what we have here is that. This is from JP Morgan. This is from the Zero Hedge website on, on Twitter. It says, finally, this is all just spin. We leave the final word to another branch of JP Morgan, its private bank, which handles all its high net worth clients, whose conclusion is that no matter what happens, one should not sell. So here's something that I've been saying. Since the end of World War II, there has been one constant, regardless of the occupant of the White House and the composition of Congress. I said this earlier. Equity markets have increased value over time. I've said that. Some stocks, sectors, or styles do better at specific times than others depending on specific, often unpredictable factors. Think of anything you have, hurricanes, war, terrorist attacks, uh, pandemics, uh, think of it that way. A fact underlines the importance of diversification. This is why to ensure the long-term health of a portfolio, we think that time in the market rather than market timing is key. I wish I could highlight that. Time in the market is better than market timing. Consequently, we advise clients to stay invested regardless of specific events, including election results. I couldn't have said it better myself, JP Morgan. Why? Because you could see here since the, since the year of 1997, right here in front of your screen on the S&P 500, where it was at 932.47, I wrote this down, to 34.77.13, where we closed. That is a gain of 272.89% return without dividends. If you're timing the market, guys, understand that you may be missing out. But time in the market is the key. Again, if you stay invested, don't be fearing. You're thinking long term, your investments are going to gain. Granted, look at the dips. You have some dips, obviously, dot-com bubble, you know, 2008 financial crisis, uh, 2015 with the U.S. uh, downgrading their debt. You have 2018, the Fed increasing rates pandemic, here we are. The pandemic in the stock market, in a sense, never happened. So if you stayed invested during the pandemic in March and April, you stayed invested, you're basically up depending on when you bought. So again, all this being said, need to understand that things do change. Obviously, the world does change. But again, when it comes to the U.S. equity market, over time, they still gain. All right, let's go ahead and talk about Biden and Trump's plans economically and then we'll go over the stocks to look for so this is part of investopedia.com which i love very much so let's go ahead and break up the taxes again we'll talk about that so uh trump wants to extend the the taxes like we talked about biden will roll back tax cuts and apply payroll tax to those making over 400,000. 75 percent of titans biden's tax hike will be biden's tax hike will be by the top one percent so if you're in the top one percent and Biden wins, you're going to be paying higher taxes, according to the website. 
So you can see here that Trump, in the budget proposal of February 2020, the Trump administration assumed that individual income tax provisions included in the massive tax cuts and jobs cut uh, jobs act is set to expire in 2025 will be extended so he will extend it between 2025 and 2030 these tax cuts will cost the federal government 1.5 trillion uh, according to the committee for a responsible federal government the budget also proposes repealing renewable energy tax credits offering tax credits for edu u.s educational secretary betsy devos education freedom scholarship program and raising the irs budget by 15 billion dollars over the decade so that's the taxes one more piece here, and this is Biden's. Biden wants to raise the income tax rate back to 39.6% pre-Trump from 37%, and the corporate income tax rate, we talked about this, to 28 from 21%. If elected, he will apply Social Security taxes to earnings above $400,000, tax capital gains, and dividends at ordinary rates for those with annual incomes of $1 million or more, and impose 15% minimum tax on book income of large companies. The tax rate on profits earned by foreign subsidies, subsidiaries of firms will be doubled to 21%. According to the Tax Policy Center, Biden's tax proposals will increase revenue by $4 trillion between 2021 and 2030. It is estimated that 93% of the tax increases would be borne by the taxpayers uh, in the top 20% of households by income. The top 1% of households will pay three quarters of the tax hike. So understand it's very simple here. If President Biden is elected and you make more than $400,000, you will pay more tax if this passes. By the way, again, a lot of moving pieces here in regards to, you know, in regards to the Congress and what have you. So again, federal tax revenues here shows you as a percentage of GDP if you're watching on YouTube. Uh, in regards to healthcare, I'm going to go ahead and skip that. Again, it says here Trump budget proposes spending cuts on healthcare and Medicaid. Biden is opposed to Medicare for all, so no socialism there. But he wants to create a public option. And Biden wants to lower Medicare eligibility rate to 60. So we're going to kind of bring that down a little bit. The big thing here is trade. So let's go ahead with economics. Trade. Trump has not dialed back his China trade war rhetoric yet. We know that. U.S. trade deficit fell for the first time in six years in 2019. Biden wants a coalition of international allies to pressure China. So that's where we are. So let's go ahead and uh, compare here. Trump. The trade war with China has been the centerpiece of Trump's trade policy during this first term. He promised to put America first in dealings with countries and penalize those in the U.S. as a high trade deficit or he believes are unfairly taxing American companies overseas. There's no signs he plans on changing the strategy, but experts have been careful about angering Beijing with the overburdened U.S. healthcare system depends on China for medical supplies. It accounts for 48% of all personal protective equipment imports in the U.S. The U.S. monthly international trade deficit was $39.9 billion in February 2020, the lowest since 2016. Contributing was the impact of COVID-19 on Chinese manufacturing. On an annual basis, the deficit fell for the first time in six years in 2019 to $616 billion. Biden says, as he describes in his article, uh, Foreign Affairs Magazine, titled, Why, America's Must, Why America Must Lead Again, quote-unquote. Biden plans to help America's position in global economy, by investing at home innovation and the middle class first. He also says the best way to confront China on intellectual property and technology transfers is by forming coalition with allies and partners and not through in unilateral tariffs. So there you go. You can take your, your, your idea and what, where we are with that. So again, when we talk about the 10 best stocks to buy if Joe Biden is elected or the 10 best stocks to buy if Donald Trump is elected, we'll go over that together and talk about China a little bit more. Jobs and wages. 
Both candidates want to create jobs through infrastructure expend, uh, investments. So again, more spending. Trump likely to continue the Buy American, Hire American immigration campaign. And Biden wants to uh, raise the minimum wage to $15. Trump does not. So that's kind of the basics there. Climate change, we're going to kind of skip. Another thing here, do student debt. Uh, again, if you're a student uh, with student debt, obviously. Trump wants to scrap loan subsidies and forgiveness for public service. Trump wants to create a single income-driven repayment plan. Biden proposes forgiving student loan debt for poorer graduation. So if you're the type of person that wants to get their student debt, I guess, uh, 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 forgiven, you're more, you're more likely going to vote uh, Biden, as in a sense. So again, uh, the Trump administration 2021 budget proposal requests for $66.6 billion for the Department of Education or a $5.6 billion or 7.8% decrease from 2020. It proposes eliminating the public service loan forgiveness program and subsidized loans programs. Trump wants to replace the four-year income-driven repayment program with only a single one that caps monthly payments to 12.5%. It forgives undergraduate loans after 15 years instead of 20 years and raises the period for graduate loan repayment to 30 years from 25 years. The Center for American Progress says Trump proposal would cut more than $2 billion in spending next year alone on student financial aid, the federal work-study program, and other forms of support. Since uh, Biden, this is Biden's side. Uh, Biden, since his, camp, his opponents on the Democratic side have dropped out or suspended their campaigns, Biden has made student debt more generous. He now wants to immediately cancel the minimum of $10,000 of student debt per person, which was originally suggested by Senator Elizabeth Warren. Now, again, if Biden does win uh, the election, so Senator Elizabeth Warren could be part of the cabinet. Just keep that in mind. Biden proposes for giving, for giving all undergraduate tuition-related federal student debt for low-income and middle-class individuals, up to 125000 who have attended public colleges and universities, privately historically-backed colleges and universities, and private underfunded minority-serving institutions. This will be funded by repealing the high-income excess business losses tax cut under the CARES Act. And you could see here that U.S. student, let, student debt is absolutely outrageous. It has now grown to $1.64 trillion in Q4 of 2019 from $480 billion in Q1 2006. So there you go. So a lot of stuff to unpack. Ton of stuff to unpack here. So again, you need to understand there's a lot of things on the ballot here. So again, trade, student loan debt, healthcare. I mean, a lot of stuff is on the ballot. This is a very big election. So, you know, what do you do? All you can do here is make, is make your vote count. All you can do is vote yourself. You know, you can't vote three times. You can't vote 20 times. You can only vote once. So when you vote once, it's important to understand when regards to investments, regardless of who wins, is to understand you have a plan. So let's talk about a plan. Let's talk about the companies that will benefit the most for a Biden administration and a Trump administration or re-election. So let's go and start with the president, uh, President Trump, on the names that would actually gain in value based on him being re-elected. This is from our friends at Kiplinger. Dot com. I went ahead and retweeted this on our Twitter page. If you have not followed us already, G-A-R, uh, capital, all one word, on Twitter. So make sure to take a look. And here we go. Number one, Bank of America. Now, why Bank of America? Banks would definitely be a beneficiary of a re-election of President Trump. Why is that? Deregulation. Stay deregulated. We know that during the Obama administration with Biden as vice president, um, we also had the uh, we had a regu regulation reform on uh, financial institutions, especially mortgage companies, those who write mortgages due to the 2008. So we had Dodd-Frank, you know, with uh, a President Trump administration, maybe Dodd-Frank gets repealed. Maybe some lax changes into the banks. So again, 
these banks will definitely get a nice boost with a Republican administration. I mean, imagine if you have a Senator Elizabeth Warren as your, as your Secretary of Treasury. Be very difficult when she's very, very anti-bank. So again, if Biden gets, if Biden gets elected, that would happen. But again, if Trump gets elected, banks would definitely be the big beneficiary. So Bank of America, J.P. Morgan Chase are two of them that you definitely want to keep an eye on. So if you're a bank uh, shareholder, you know, again, you're pretty much just doing for the dividend. You're not looking for much growth there. But again, you do also have an accommodative Fed too. But again, a deregulation administration, a bank-friendly administration is a good one for banks. Uh, next one is Amazon.com, mind you. So there's one reason why Amazon.com would be a big beneficiary. Now you're probably thinking to yourself, well, Carlos, really? Amazon.com? Doesn't President Trump hate Jeff Bezos? Well, yeah, there is some, some issue there, you know, Twitter and back and forth. But again, there's one big thing that Jeff Bezos and Donald Trump do agree on is anti-labor unions. So again, President Trump and Republicans are very anti-labor unions and Amazon's trying to break that. So again, if you have a Trump administration, that'll be very friendly for those companies that are very anti-union. Uh, so keep that in mind. Amazon would be a beneficiary of that. Next here, ExxonMobil. Um, I wouldn't agree with Kiplinger's here. I think energy would be still a laggard, even with the Trump administration. Trump has made it uh, very abundantly clear that he likes low oil prices and low gas prices. He's actually said to Saudi Arabia on Twitter, lower gas prices. You get what you want. You're at $40 a barrel now. So again, good for us consumers. But if you are an oil refiner, if you work in the oil fields, it doesn't matter what is regulated. It's based on demand for oil. And right now, crude oil futures... If we want to go ahead and take a look ourselves, you can see right here, forward slash CL, $40.52 a barrel. Not exactly doing great. Again, we don't have a lot of demand when a lot of people are not driving during the lockdowns of COVID. So the faster that COVID can get away, the faster we can get some demand when it comes to crude oil. That is not based on who's president or not. It's just based on do we get a vaccine or not. So I don't agree with this ExxonMobil take here. Uh, next here will be Twitter. Now, this is a really good one. Absolutely. If you are thinking, if you were believing that the president is going to win, you need to buy Twitter. Twitter, absolutely. I mean, what better place to hear from the president of the United States yourself and not be a newspaper journalist or work for a big media company than actually just get it straight to your phone exactly from the president himself. Twitter would be the one to do it. Twitter is literally, in my opinion, the world's, the world's newspaper. Everything is on there. So again, I'm pretty sure that Twitter is looking at the president winning again. If they do, then Twitter will be the huge beneficiary. How many users are on Twitter just because the president tweets? So think about that. Twitter would be big. Next, Facebook would be big. Why is Facebook would be uh, beneficial during the Trump administration? It's simple. Democrats want to regulate large tech companies for monopoly power. Republicans are not very against anti-monopoly power. So again, Facebook would be a beneficiary. Social media, guys, again... Donald Trump, whether you love him or hate him, he's a very polarizing figure. A lot of people are on Facebook because they want to talk politics. So again, a re-election of the president, Trump, would be a, a big boon to social media. Facebook and Twitter, of course, because the connection of speaking of politics brings people together. Controversy sells. That's why I would also include in this list News Corp, which is Fox News and Wall Street Journal. That'd be a big beneficiary. New York Times, Washington Post. Any kind of newspaper, they do very well with this president because all he does is make headlines. Again, Washington Post subscriptions are through the roof. New York Times subscriptions to the roof. Fox News, their subscription, their, their viewership is the highest among all the cable networks. So again, a re-election of Trump, 
Fox News would be a better, big beneficiary. That's News Corp. Uh, Washington Post and New York Times would be very benefit, be benefited big time with a re-election of the president. And here, Lockheed Martin. Lockheed Martin, again, there's one thing we know about Republican administrations. They spend on defense. Lockheed Martin would be, AMS, would be a big beneficiary there. So Lockheed Martin, that's LMT. And also here is GEO Group. This is a company that creates uh, real estate. Uh, they may create private prisons. And the Democrats are against private prisons. So is Joe Biden. But again, Trump has not really said anything in regards to it. But again, Joe Biden has pledged to end the use of private prisons at the federal level, state levels regarding the state level. So GEO Group, with the president re-elected, GEO would be a big beneficiary. I don't really uh, know about this company personally. I just read about it the first time in this article. So keep a look at it. Again, it's trading about $11 a share. Next, Walmart, right? Now you're probably thinking to yourself, well, Carlos, Walmart, don't they get a lot of stuff from China? Trump is not very fine of China. Well, what are we talking about regarding Amazon? It's all about labor unions. So again, if Trump is anti-labor union, Walmart is anti-labor union, that's a lot of money saved. So understand that. So Walmart, very big beneficiary as well uh, for a Trump administration. And next here, according to, according to Kiplinger, is the Russia Vectors ETF, which is RSX. Now, we do know that uh, regards the United States and Russia and, and Russia... Um, uh, there is no, there's an actual like kind of, I can't say coalition, but they work well together, let's just say. So for the most part, you know, Barack Obama was not very friendly with Russia, but Putin and Trump are very friendly to say the least. Again, regardless of what you think would happen in regards to any kind of uh, election issues. But again, according to Pubinger, they think that the Russian, uh, Russian Vectors ETF would be a big winner for this one. Uh, nice dividend yield. Um but again, all things being said here, that a uh, Donald Trump election re-election would be positive for Russian stocks, for the Russian government. So you can take a look at that ETF, RSX. So again, they do pay a 6.3 dividend yield. Let's see how their equities do if the president is re-elected. And on the flip side here, as we wind down the podcast, let's talk about the top 10 stocks to invest in if Joe Biden does win election. Stock one number one, Brookfield Renewable Partners LP. That is BEP. That'd be a great one. As you know, Green New Deal, Biden's uh, uh, energy plan. Again, this will be benefits of renewable energy, uh, solar, wind, what have you. This would be a big boon. So this would probably be the best one. Uh, Brookfield Renewable Partners LP. Take a look at that. Number two, cannabis. Cannabis stocks were more than likely be a big boon with a president who has a vice president who has literally said, I support the criminalization of marijuana on the federal level. And this lady was an attorney general and she is a senator. So keep in mind, if you are bullish on cannabis, a Biden presidency is a big boom. Canopy growth, CGC. So again, uh, I think that regardless of who wins, I think that uh, uh, marijuana stocks or cannabis stocks are looking forward thinking. Thinking that look at the states that do need revenue due to COVID where people are not working or people are leaving New York and going to Florida, what have you. Again, if people are not paying their state taxes and they're leaving or people are not working, they got to find some revenue somehow. What better way to do it than using a vice like cannabis? And cannabis would be a really good way to do it. I think I'm very bullish on the future of cannabis. I think that can- that legalization is really just years away, very close. And once it does, taxes will be, will be implemented and tax revenues will be through the roof. And it'll definitely be a boon to the U.S. Uh, US trade, uh, U.S. budget deficit as well. So cannabis growth. Keep that in mind. Uh, if you're not interested in canopy growth, there's some really great ETFs out there on cannabis as well. Feel free to take a look at those. Number three, Tesla. 
Yes, part of the renewable energies, one of part of the electrical vehicle side. What does Tesla benefit with a President Biden? Well, keep in mind that maybe during a President Biden, he can extend the federal uh, the federal uh, tax break on EV the way uh, President uh, Obama did. This was rolled back during the Trump administration, but an EV tax credit will put more people into Teslas. It'll bring that more the the idea of wanting to get into more EV. And then again, that would hurt energy companies because of crude oil and everything already being decline of demand. But Tesla would be a big beneficiary of that. So keep that in mind. Tesla has been on fire lately, but with a bad presidency, it could be the next leg up. Next here is the Workhorse Group. Workhorse Group makes create, creates electrical vehicles. We're starting to see a pattern here. Again, electrical vehicles, renewable energy, that's what you kind of want to work on. So Workhorse would be a really good one as well. Tesla, Workhorse, renewable energy with a Biden administration, we know why. Next would be Martin Marietta Materials. Uh, this would be a part of the big uh, infrastructure plan. I would increase here uh, Caterpillar as well. Again, big industrials would do well with a big infrastructure project. The last big infrastructure project that stands out in the United States was really the interstate highway system under the Eisenhower administration. Created tons of jobs. Again, this is more of the state planning, creating federal jobs on the federal level. Very New Deal FDR-ish. We saw how the stock market did with FDR. So remember, this is kind of part of the playbook. You know, when things are, are on the low side of the economy, the kind of the government creates private jobs and private contractors to create public work projects, whether it's build hospitals, build schools, build roads, what have you. That's kind of the New Deal FDR playbook. So again, um, MLM, which is Martin Marietta Materials, you can take a look at Caterpillar as heavy machinery as well. That'd be another good one. And they'd be beneficiary if Joe Biden was a little more lax on China. Next is Energy Transfer LP. So I don't know why this is on the Biden list, but this is the company is currently embroiled in an ongoing dispute over its Dakota Access Pipeline, which passes close to the Standing Rock Reservation. Opposing the pipeline is cause for celebrate for environmental activists. How can energy transfer be on a list with environmental darlings like Tesla? It comes to down, down the cash flow. Under a Biden administration, it's safe to assume the new pipeline construction will slow to a crawl. The permitting process will become lengthier and more cumbersome. Quote, given the election year, we believe the regulatory environment would be more challenging under a Biden administration, as you would require lengthy reviews to determine whether a project's economic value outweighs impact of climate change. This is stifle saying that. Paradoxically, this is good for many pipelines, particularly the large established ones. Many operators have taken a growth at any cost approach looking to build empires irrespective of possibility. A world in which new, no new pipelines gets built and a world in which serial empires like energy transfer have a lot more free cash on hand. Without the temptation to spend on new projects, energy transfer might speed up its debt repayment efforts or buy back shares. We'll see. But in the meantime, ET stock, you get a beaten down pipeline giant with world-class assets and an 18% yield on distribution that energy transfer has maintained so far through the recession. I cannot agree with this, honestly. 18% yield, I highly doubt they pay that. But this is according to Kiplinger's. Feel free to do that. I say stay away from energy if, if Biden wins. Uh, let's see the next one here. United Health Group. Now, you're probably thinking to yourself, what? Medicare for all? What are you talking about? Well, honestly, it's just a public option. United Healthcare would still gain. It's one of my favorite stocks in my portfolio. Again, Biden has promised to provide a Medicare-like government option for health plans to make private sector plans more affordable and less complex. So it says here United Health would be a beneficiary because United Healthcare is particularly well placed because it specializes in Medicare supplemental plans. If Biden is successful in providing Medicare type solution, there will be enormous demand for supplemental plans. So keep an eye on UNH. 
Next here is Realty Income, which is a REIT. So again, it was an unintended casualty of the 2017 tax cuts and job cuts. Trump's signature tax reform lowered the corporate tax rate from 35 to 21, which was great for traditional corporations, but it made tax shelters like REITs less attractive in comparison. REITs are not required to pay federal taxes so long as they distribute at least 90% of their profits as dividends. Joe Biden's tax plan would raise corporate taxes to 28%, which and more aggressively on tax foreign income. It is also specifically designed to force large profitable tech companies to pay more. All of this bodes, bodes poorly for the stock market, supposedly, but it wouldn't be such a bad thing for REITs. Their special tax, tax, tax status might actually be appreciated again. So again, it's a tax haven in a sense. So again, if you get higher taxes, you're going to want to get into more REITs. So think about that. One REIT to consider is Realty Income. Oh, 61.67 a share. Although Realty Income specializes in retail properties, most of its portfolios, pharmacies, dollar stores, convenience stores, and big box retailers is relatively COVID proof. It's a conservative REIT with a long track record of rewarding its shareholders. The company has paid 600 consecutive monthly dividends and has raised their dividend for 91 consecutive quarters. Very nice if you're a dividend investor. So take a look at O. So again, that would be a big one. Again, tax shelters. There's even when taxes are raised, guys, there's always ways around things. Next here is the iShares Core MSCI Emerging Markets ETFs. We talked about this. If Biden does get elected, he will be more a more unilateral approach, not be as America first centric. That helps emerging markets grow. So again, if you are looking to buy into international stocks, this would probably be the administration to do so. Uh, during a Trump administration, it's very tough when he's very more nationalistic, keeping stuff at, in the United States, which is fine. But again, if you're more of an emerging market person, that'd be the one. And there's one more I don't, don't want to forget. One of my favorites is gold. Gold. More spending means the dollar will fall. So gold you need to have in your portfolio. I've been saying it. Again, GLD is one of our top 10 stocks of 2020, like we've been saying. So keep an eye on that gold. Again, with more spending in Congress, more spending from the White House, more spending from the federal government, the dollar will fall. More stimulus will be approved. If Biden does win and he gets a Democratic sweep in, 20, in November, you will see a larger stimulus. Even President Trump says he wants a larger stimulus. So a stimulus will happen. The question is when and how much. And who will benefit? Gold, precious metals, anything that's a hedge against the U.S. dollar. Bitcoin is another one. So take a look at that. Very important to see, guys. So understand that regardless of who you vote for in November, guys, it's very important to vote, to cast your vote, get your voice out there. So again, this wasn't a podcast designed to convince you one way or another. I'm just applying the facts, what kind of playbook that you can do regardless of who wins. I always say, don't predict, react accordingly. I don't think you should sell stocks if your candidate does not win because you're afraid. Nothing is ever done correctly with a panic, ever. If you sold stocks during the COVID deal where you thought the world was going to end, you're, not, you're looking pretty foolish right now. So again, understand that when you have a plan long term, again, you could see ever since 1997, we've had dot-com bubble burst, we had 2008 uh, financial crisis, and we had COVID. Three major crises in what, the last 20 years? Maybe 20, 25 years? So understand that do things do change. Obviously, you'll get dips here and there. So regardless of who wins the White House, regardless of who you back, regardless of your political affiliation, I think at the end of the day, you just want to make money in the stock market and you want to gain some profit and you want to want to see your retirement portfolio grow, maybe your child's student, uh, your child, your child's college to 
college fund grow or what have you, your life insurance to grow. Again, everyone's on the same page. We want to make as much as we can in the stock market or we want your investments to grow. So with that understand, again, you have a lot of differences between these candidates, but it's a lot of moving parts too. You can benefit even if your candidate doesn't win. You can benefit even if your political side doesn't win. That's important to see too. Again, react, not predict. So let's see what happens in November 3rd. Let's see who wins. And regardless of what happens, we will be here to help you out, of course. So make sure to check us out on Instagram, GAR Capital, all one word. Make sure to subscribe to us on Twitter, GAR Capital. Make sure to follow. Make sure to subscribe to us on YouTube by clicking the like, subscribe button, and turn on notifications. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day. My name is Carlos Garcia, founder and CEO. I hope you found this podcast very helpful. And do your research, guys, of course. Hope this really helps. I'll, I'll probably add some of the links here from some of the articles on the actual YouTube. So if you have any questions, feel free to type on the comment section. If you did enjoy this podcast, make sure to subscribe as well. Have a great one, guys, and we'll catch you for the next one.